This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. August is Breastfeeding Awareness Month, so I am bringing you the breastfeeding series on That's Total Mom Sense, a three-part series with leaders in the industry. Some people feel breast is best, and others say fed is best, and I'm here to be an objective insight and provide perspective for you, because in the end, you have to trust your mom sense. So whether you breastfeed, formula feed, pump, or use donor milk, it's entirely up to you. However, it is important to destigmatize breastfeeding in modern day society. I want you to know your options, the benefits, hear from medical professionals, public figures, and legal experts on lactation regulations in the workplace, which you can use to your advantage. I hope you feel empowered by the breastfeeding series on That's Total Mom Sense. One other thing I do want to bring up is something that companies can do, which is very important during amidst COVID now. In addition to providing the hospital grade breast pumps, they can also provide special breast milk refrigerators. Mm. Um, most companies don't have these. So beyond just the communal fridge or beyond just that little dorm refrigerator that many companies place in lactation rooms, there are special refrigerators that you open one refrigerator door and inside are locking cabinets, like little lockers all um, with separate refrigeration units to keep mom's milk like protected and yes. free, you know, no more horror stories of someone taking someone's milk for coffee, right? That's <laughs> right. And stuff that, you know, we, we've, we've heard way, way too many scary stories like that. So it's, that's another way that employers can think about being supportive and helpful and also reduce their legal liability by setting up their lactation spaces with these fridges. And also of course, breast milk shipping. As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full, on my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with that Total Mom Sense. Continuing on with the breastfeeding series, today I'm joined by Debbie Yadagari. Debbie is the founder and CEO of Village, spelled with a Y. Her experience juggling a challenging legal career and breastfeeding as a new mom was the muse for Village and why Debbie is so dedicated to providing parents with the workplace support they need to pursue their professional goals while also balancing the responsibilities of new parenthood. Debbie traded her briefcase for a diaper bag in 2005 and has been supporting working parents ever since. Today, she is the leading authority on lactation accommodation law and a trusted expert on all matters working parenthood. She is a sought-after speaker and frequent contributor to Fox Networks, Working Mother Media, and various HR syndicates. Most importantly, she is a working mother of five, ages 3, 9, 12, 13, and 15. Prior to joining the esteemed ranks of motherhood, Debbie developed a distinguished legal career. She began her career as a corporate associate in big law, where she specialized in security offerings within the capital markets. Subsequently, she served as counsel to the investment banking division of a leading international investing bank. While practicing law, Debbie also offered pro bono legal assistance to the New York Legal Assistance Group. Debbie received her Bachelor of Arts degree from Barnard College, of Columbia University, where she double majored in economics and political science, 
and her Juris Doctor from George Washington University. Debbie is a certified lactation counselor with the Academy of Lactation Policy and Practice and lives on Long Island with her supportive husband and five children. Debbie, welcome to That's Total Mom Sense. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, that was a very long bio. <laughs> no, I didn't want to leave any of it out. It was, I mean, you're, all that you have achieved in your lifetime and you're not done yet is so remarkable. Definitely not done. Definitely. <laughs> it's been a journey. Yes. Well, tell us where, you know, your origins are. Uh, I was curious because of your last name, Yadigari. Yeah. So Yadigari is Persian and that is definitely because of my husband. It's my husband's last name that I took on. Uh, his family is amazing. They emigrated here and have built, you know, they're one of those immigrant success stories. They built a beautiful life, raised a beautiful family. And now I'm lucky enough to raise my five kids, not only with the beauty of having, you know, the American culture and freedoms, but also the beautiful backgrounds of being half Iranian. So I, I'm super excited to be able to pass that along to my children. That is wonderful. I think just having that cultural awareness and being able to embrace both cultures is really, really great. Um, tell us about your childhood and how it has informed your life today. Wow. Yeah, definitely has informed my life today. So I am working mom of five, but I myself am an only child. And growing up, I lacked the family unit that I so desperately desired. So it was absolutely part of the reason uh, that I, you know, built what I built today, which is not just, you know, the whole five kid thing, but also <laughs> business that's all about supporting working families. It's core family is the most important thing to me. And I try to surround everything I do around those principles. That's great. And I feel like, you know, as Steve Jobs says, you can't connect the dots going forward. You, you know, have to connect them going back. And it was such a profound way to look at at life and how circuitous it is. But that's it all makes sense. What you're doing now is what you were meant to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, as you said, I started my career in big law, moved in house to investment banking. And when I became a working mom, it was a complete two by four up beside my head. I needed the support so desperately that I did not have. So fast forward, I created a business that was all about supporting working parents and the managers guiding those working parents. And I wasn't able to achieve what, what I really wanted to achieve without that support. And and so I absolutely made a shift that was not obvious as I was going through that journey, but only looking back. Yes. Yes. So tell us about your motherhood journey, because you've done this five times over, and I'm sure every single pregnancy and experience and child and personality is so different. It is so different. And like, you know, one story that I always love to tell is my first child uh, started off perfect. Like she was the kid that was asleep by 7 a.m., 7 p.m. rather. She ate her vegetables. She was a toddler. She was brushing her teeth. And my first time at the rodeo, I had something to say to every parent because clearly I had done it perfectly, right? Like, yeah, I'm, what a high bar. Right. <laughs> then enter child number two. And I <laughs> shut up very quickly. I was like, clearly, I have no idea what I'm doing. None. Oh my goodness. Yep. Threw you for a loop. There's <laughs> yeah. always one. <laughs> it was always my, it was my daughter. It was not me. And so what five kids really truly gives me is perspective. You know, mm. so much of it is luck. So much of it is the child itself. We as parents internalize so much guilt and put so much pressure on ourselves. But it, it's a journey. It's, you know, how the wind blew that day. And I think having all this experience, I'm able to just kind of like laugh. And mm -hmm. that is the biggest gift. I remember when very different from the first, when my fifth was born, you know, after I was back in the recovery room, it was just my husband, myself and our little guy named Kyle. And we look at him and he started crying. Like one of those shrieks. And like <laughs> the first time you like dive in, like stop, you know, our first reaction was at the same exact time. My husband and I looked at each other and burst out laughing. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. This is what he's supposed to do. It's totally evolution. Yeah, completely. So um, I started back to your question. I started parenthood, the just crazy first time mom, Uh, you know, the person who if your kid fell asleep in the car seat, they I I would sit there in the car seat. This was before smartphones, right? I was bored. I was bored sitting Uh, in the car um, until she woke up from her nap. And fast forward, I laughed at my crying baby. Like, (laughs) it's quite a journey. That's so great how it just, you know, it humbles you for sure. Can you tell us about your breastfeeding experience? Because you are, you know, a leading advocate for all things breastfeeding and lactation now. So, you know, tell us about your personal account. Yeah, it was difficult. I was definitely not one of the lucky ones. You know, I feel like anyone who's like, ah, breastfeeding was so simple. Those are also the people that give birth and have like five pounds to lose, right? I know. I know. I do not want to talk to. I'm very, very, very type A. So even before I gave birth, I think I must have read like two or three breastfeeding books. One was like a 400 page treatise. I remember reading it on my baby moon with my husband. And my husband was like, why are you reading that? And I... You know, he came to eat his words later on. I was struggling. I was like, thank goodness I read it. Right, right. So well researched. And I I also had taken like a a prenatal breastfeeding class. I I wanted to learn. But at the end of the day, it's like trying to learn how to ride a bike by reading a 400-page treatise. Like it doesn't work. Like, you know, I understood the concepts theoretically, but I struggled. And the thing with breastfeeding is, is you don't struggle until you're truly struggling because in the hospital, clearly my first daughter, my first child didn't have a great latch and things were not off to a good start, but I didn't know that. And it wasn't until I was home with sore nipples and breasts crying in agony that I realized that I was really in trouble. So luckily all of the legwork that I had done um, prenatally had guided me to the point where I knew where to get help. So very early on that first week home, I took my daughter to a breastfeeding support class and there I am like shirt off. Like we're not accustomed to this, right? We're not accustomed to having other people look at our breasts as much as we want to be, as much as we want to think that we're forward thinking and we're comfortable with these things. How many of us have actually seen a baby breastfeed before you become a mom, right? Yeah. I'm a mom. If it's your best friend, if it's your sister, we tend to like our eyes look away, the right. breastfeeding covers up. You don't really, really see it. And so here I was like shirt off, stranger, stranger comes up and like grabs my breast, sticks my um, my nipple in my baby's mouth. And it was like relief. It was like, she taught me what to do and it did not hurt. Yes. Like, wow, this is life-changing. And I went on to breastfeed for um, about a year and a half. And it was a turning point. I was about to throw in the towel. And of course, if you dive into the science, you know, there's so much out there that will show that it's, you know, healthier for a baby to have breast milk than formula. But I was really, it's like a fork in the road where I was like, I can't do this. And it was much easier the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time. After that, it didn't like, it, it was easy. But that first time it stuck with me. It's still with me today. I, I remember the pain, yeah. I remember the heartache, the agony. And it was when I walked away from investment banking, it was in part because I didn't have the support of a corporate structure to support me in my breastfeeding. Because after all of that, I had continued to breastfeed. I had created a huge stash. I was living in New York City and there was like a blackout. I lost my stash, a heart, oh, no. right? like knife in the chest, like, right. And, but I still had a few months before I went back to work and I was working to get that stash going. And I went back to work and there really was, I had awkward conversation with my boss. There wasn't really, I I skirted around the issue of breast pumping in the office because that's really awkward. Right. Yeah. And I didn't know how to have that conversation and my boss didn't raise it with me, but I did talk about maybe having some flexibility because while going to investment banking was definitely a lifestyle step up from big law. It was still a 12 hour day. I was still working eight to eight and any mom out there knows babies kind of sleep, you know, seven to seven. So which meant (laughs) maybe you're just not sleeping. Right. Well, like I wouldn't see my child. And 
And yeah, not to say that they sleep from seven to seven, but you know, Mm -hmm. there's Mm wake-ups in between. So six months later, I ended up walking away. I I never returned back to work. And it was in part because of breastfeeding. It was in part because of the lack of support. And this was an idea that always like weighed on me because I never saw myself as being somebody who's going to walk away after working so hard in school, after working so hard in my career to like climb the ladder and take those steps that I thought were going to set me up for the next opportunity, I just left. And when I left, I saw that lots of women had left. And I was like, wow, this is a problem that needs to be solved. And the Affordable Care Act passed. Um, That was the first piece of legislation to give working women the right to pump in the office federally. So some states had already passed laws previous to the passage of the Affordable Care Act, but that was the first countrywide rule that said working moms have a right to pump in the office. And that means, yo, employers, you have to give moms the time they need and the space they need. The space cannot be a bathroom and the space better be private, like free from intrusion. And so I saw this as an opportunity given my personal experience. At that point, I had four children, my struggles with breastfeeding, my legal background. And I had also because I'm so type A, had gone on to become a certified lactation counselor at that time. And I put together everything and it was like, let's change corporate America. So it started, what Village does today is support working parenthood holistically. We do so much. We work with companies to change culture, work with policies. We train managers, all sorts of stuff. But where it started, its roots were truly within the corporate lactation space because it was still a topic of conversation that was very uncomfortable. Yes, and lacking. Yeah, so lacking, so lacking. And my oldest daughter now just turned 16. I apologize. The bio must have been forwarded to you before her birthday. She just turned 16. You know, so 16 years ago, the laws were very different. But sadly, some of the experiences are still the same at many places of employment. We still have a long ways to go. But what are what is changing is the laws are evolving. So right. We've seen not just the passage of the Affordable Care Act, but we've seen states popping up and not just states, but also municipalities with their own sets of rules. So, for instance, New York City requires that every employer have a written corporate lactation accommodation policy. So you can be a company that's like all men, doesn't matter. Everyone needs to know and be aware of what that lactation accommodation policy is in part because this changes culture. So if the company was to take on a a female or a breastfeeding woman or, you know, someone to become pregnant, it becomes a natural part of the conversation that everybody there just expects that the company is going to do something. The onus is on the company, as opposed to when I started my journey where the onus was on the employee to have to advocate for themselves. Now, the onus is definitely still on the employee to advocate for themselves today, but we have come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. Yes. Yes. Could you tell us how the laws vary state by state? Sure. Every state, like I said, requires an employer to provide the employee with the time and the space, depending like on the state, that time is either paid or not paid. So for instance, in Illinois, your breaks will be paid. In other states, your breaks will not be paid. In San Francisco, you need to have a written lactation accommodation policy. But in addition to having that, there's a requirement that employers keep on file every request for three years. So if somebody comes in and has this conversation, it has to be documented. Well, that definitely changes culture, right? Because if I think back Mm -hmm. to my situation where it was this awkward thing that was never brought up, you know, and bad on me too, you today you have to create a system that empowers managers to know how to talk about these things because they know they're going to have to turn it around and put it in a file, you know, electronic file. But how did you handle that? And that needs to be kept on file for three years. Um, Baltimore and New York City and many other cities require that the lactation um, space be in close proximity to running water and refrigeration. Mm, Smart. Yeah. So that's great. The rules vary on what is required. So some states also will say that there is, there's a no retaliation policy. So if somebody raises a stink, you can't turn around and punish them. You know, uh, in California, there are fines associated with not having the proper setup, daily fines, if you don't have the proper setup for a lactating employee. So there's very, there's like 
slight nuances in all jurisdictions, but the heart of it is time and space for the breastfeeding employee. And then on top of that, hopefully the laws also require, you know, you get some, the space has to be in close proximity to lactation and running water. And hopefully some things have to be kept on file. And hopefully they're putting out written policies to everybody in within the organization. And, and at the bottom of it, we hope more than, you know, any of these written policies or laws, we hope that there's a culture that's just supporting breastfeeding women, because whether something is documented within the statutes or not, that's what's going to make a difference is the culture more than anything else. Yes. What is Village actually focusing on? Um, how does the company help employers provide, you know, lactation facilities safely and effectively? And, you know, what's actually the right way to do it? Sure. So Village does a lot within the corporate lactation space. First off, we work with companies with thinking through what needs to be done. We will provide corporate lactation audits and assess what companies have and what they need to have to be in compliance with their federal, state, and local laws. From there, we will work with them to put together a written lactation accommodation policy, whether it's required in their municipality or not. It's something that all employers should have on file. And then we talk about the build out of the actual space itself. Breastfeeding employees should have access to a hospital grade breast pump. That's very different than the breast pumps that are provided through insurance. It's the equivalent mm-hmm. of having like, you know, we're talking a budget car versus like a Ferrari engine. It's <laughs> yes. heavy duty. I used it with the twins, so I know. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's amazing. And what employers don't realize is it's such like, a drop in the bucket when it comes to as far as expenditures go. It's very, very cheap. But what it does is it allows mom to pump more milk in less time. Translation, she gets out of that lactation room and back doing whatever she wants to do because no matter how committed you are to breastfeeding, I've yet to meet a mom who enjoys pumping. It is awful, right? Yes, yes. Absolutely. And and she doesn't have to schlep her pump. Yes. Because it's in the room already. Yes. And it's, it's cleaner. It's more efficient. And a lot of times people always get caught up with that. We're like, is it cleaner? Is someone sharing it? So hospital grade breast pumps have a closed circuit system. So milk cannot travel between the tubing. So there's less chance of exposure to mold and mildew than mom using her own personal pump. And the shared pump that sits in the lactation room it's just a machine. Mom comes along and plugs her plastic parts and tubing into the machine and the tubing never even touches the milk. So the part that touch is her contraption that touch her mm-hmm. body, touch right. the machine, but there's so much buffer there. So there's zero chance of contamination from somebody else's milk. And right now the big topic is the return to office. And mm-hmm. how do you create safe lactation spaces amidst COVID-19 and the various variants that we're encountering. We want to, as much as possible, increase circulation to these rooms. If there's a window, open a window, open the door in between use, have all surfaces wiped down um, upon entry, upon exit, you know, the same rules that we were accustomed to in the early days where we were a little Mm -hmm. bit paranoid. Um, Those are the rules that we should uh, be incorporating into the shared lactation spaces now, just out of an abundance of caution. Breastfeeding is an enigma for a new mom. And for a mom of multiples like me, I know each experience is different because each child is different. Thank goodness for the breastfeeding shop. Founder and CEO Patty Gatter made it her mission to help moms navigate their journey through motherhood, focusing on all things breastfeeding, lactation, and postpartum support. Now, there are dozens of breast pumps on the market. Should you consider a wearable pump, a backpack, or rent a hospital rate? The Breastfeeding Shop will not only help you figure out what's best for you, the company serves as an intermediary between mom and her insurance provider, so she's equipped with a pump, lactation support, and all the accessories for free, so she doesn't have to pay anything out of pocket. With 24-7 telehealth, you now have a listening ear around the clock to help you through the challenges so you feel like yourself again and can bask in all the joys a new baby at home brings. Visit 
thebreastfeedingshop.com to learn more. I remember you sharing an instance with me where a company thought it was perfectly fine to have a lactation section attached to the bathroom, but for sanitary reasons, that's not okay. So tell us what happened with that and and why they even thought that that was okay. Yes. Um, Well-intentioned employers, well-intentioned managers, sometimes they just make the wrong calls. So there was a build-out, a new company was doing a large build-out of office space and they got in touch with us after the architecture had been designed, everything had been framed, everything was nearly finished. And they knew that they wanted to provide lactation spaces to their employees because they didn't check the law, but they'd kind of heard around the grapevine that this is something that they should be doing. And they built every bathroom on every floor to contain a lactation space within the bathroom. Now, Every law out there on the books say that employers must provide space and time to the breastfeeding employee, and that space cannot be a bathroom. I can't even imagine how many hundreds of thousands of dollars that this company spent on adding this area to the bathroom on every floor, and it's illegal, right? Yes. There, we had many conversations on how they could segment the sinks and the lactation space from the toilets in the back. (laughs) But that gets into a gray area, right? As soon as you walk in and you see that there's sinks and you walk through another doorway and there's toilets, that's a bathroom. Um, In that circumstance, you know, a lot of things, they're not black and white. And I know this when I was worked in-house as a lawyer, when I was at a law firm, we can't always come in and tell our clients, look, you cannot be doing this. A lot of times it's a business choice. Uh, We know that when it comes down to recalls with companies at the consumer level, it's a business decision. So we advise them on the risks, the the potential liability, you know, they took our advice and did with it what they would. But the most important thing for employers when they're dealing with these types of situations is to, again, create that culture of understanding that support of, of the working parent. Perhaps that there would be some breastfeeding employees would be like, okay, great. There's a sink area. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And not yeah. just call this a bathroom, but maybe somebody else would call them out on it. And the employer has to realize that they would need to find a conference room or some other space to meet that employee's needs. And that's absolutely required under the law. So, you know, sometimes there's tough conversations that we have to have with very, very, very well-intentioned employers. Yes, yes. So then um, for an existing space, should the company convert a conference room into a lactation space? Is that the way to do it? Because, you know, they don't have the plumbing for the sinks and, and all of that. So, Is that something that we have to kind of take at face value that the woman will have to go to the kitchen or another area to wash her pump parts, but then she's able to pump in a place that's um, secluded, tinted, private? Correct. I mean, it, it really depends on the individual space and locale of the company and all of the laws talk about the uh, necessitating water and refrigeration within close proximity. None of the laws that say it actually has to be within the space and close proximity has yet to be defined by the courts. As okay. is, a lot of times this leaves, you know, it's open to interpretation and becomes a gray area. What is close proximity? Um, if you mm-hmm. have to go to another floor, if like a company is four floors, the communal kitchen is on the top floor and someone's breastfeeding on the bottom floor, I don't think that's close proximity. You yeah. know, so what are you going to do there? At the end of the day, again, it goes back to conversations that employers are must have with employees on making the employee feel comfortable and bending over backwards. If the employee is going to have to travel up to the fourth floor where the communal kitchen is to have access to that running water um, and maybe set up a conference room up there, make sure the manager is going to allow them extra space and leeway to travel between the floors or a little bit of extra break time. Right. The idea is to just have that understanding amongst people. And oh, one other thing I do want to bring up is something that companies can do, which is very important during 
during amidst COVID now, in addition to providing the hospital grade breast pumps, they can also provide special breast milk refrigerators. Mm. Um, Most companies don't have these. So beyond just the communal fridge or beyond just that little dorm refrigerator that many companies place in lactation rooms, there are special refrigerators that you open one refrigerator door and inside are locking cabinets, like little lockers, all um, with separate refrigeration units to keep mom's milk like protected and yes. free, you know, no more horror stories of someone taking someone's milk for coffee, right? That's <laughs> right. And stuff that, you know, we, we've, we've heard way, way too many scary stories like that. So it's, that's another way that employers can think about being supportive and helpful and also reduce their legal liability by setting up their lactation spaces with these fridges. And also, of course, breast milk shipping. Breastfeeding moms probably are still refraining from travel, at least, you know, not as much as they used to before COVID, but things are beginning to open up. And if employers can provide a little bit of assistance when moms travel to ship ahead hospital grade breast pumps to where she's staying and assist mom with shipping her breast milk back home, that's all great. And Village does all of that if, if anybody wants more information or to learn more. That's wonderful. How do you advocate for the employees for companies that are not part of like corporate per se? So let's say there's an employee who works at McDonald's. She's a mom who wants to breastfeed. Uh, Where's a safe place for her to go to breastfeed? Uh, pump rather, sorry. Yes. It becomes much more difficult and maybe it is breastfeed, right? Like maybe depending who has the child, maybe somebody can come meet her and she can sit at a park bench, assuming she's in a temper living in a temperate area where it's the right season and she can go outside and actually breastfeed. That is mm-hmm. for some people that could be a great option. Um, it becomes much stickier when you're talking about retail or food establishments because they don't always have the space to offer up a lactation, a lactation room. So the question for managers then becomes, is there a temporary space that can be used? And is that temporary space free from intrusion? There have been lawsuits where there have been fast food establishments who said, fine, go use our, go use the manager's office. Well, no surprise. Oftentimes when you have a retail space like that in a manager's office, that manager's office often has a camera right? So that's not free from intrusion. And that was something that the mom wasn't necessarily thinking about. And, you know, the story goes downhill from there. It ended in a lawsuit. And so if you're going to take over, is, is there a space? Can we disclose all cameras? Can we turn off the cameras? Can we cover the cameras in order to give mom privacy? One option. If we're talking about, let's say a mall, is there a lactation space within the mall that's outside of that retail establishment itself? Sometimes we have to be a little bit clever, but again, it always goes back to having that conversation between the employee and the employer to be supportive. You know, sometimes it's going to be allowing mom a little bit of extra time to be able to accomplish what she needs and what she is, you know, has a right to accomplish under the law. Yes, yes, yes. Breastfeeding moms really have no idea oftentimes, whether their employer has a policy and if they do, whether or not it's in compliance with the laws of their state. So how can a breastfeeding mom locate her company policy and cross-reference her company's policy with the laws in her state? Check your employee handbook. Uh, The employee handbook should include the lactation accommodation policy. Now, it doesn't always because sometimes the the employee handbooks will just come from like a bamboo HR or ADP (laughs) or not to put anything down by ADP or bamboo HR. I I don't necessarily know that they do not contain a lactation accommodation policy, but sometimes the the employee handbooks are just they're turnkey at some companies. Mm -hmm. Um, Ask HR before you go out on leave, what is this company's lactation accommodation policy? And if something seems a little bit off, if HR seems confused, if HR doesn't have one, if HR just kind of brushes it off and says, oh, just talk talk to your manager, you know, dig deeper. You can do a quick Google search and just search lactation accommodation laws by state. There's several websites that will come up and you'll be able to click on your state and find out the exact laws. Of course, you can always reach out to us, hello at village.com, email us. We can help point you in the direction and give you some guidance. We can also reach out to your employer. But at the end, I I feel like a broken record. I'm always going Mm -hmm. back to it. It's not necessarily to, we don't want to slap the employer's hand, 
but just have a little bit of backing to open up a conversation of a dialogue. And perhaps HR doesn't know that they're not in compliance. Most of the time, I would argue, HR has no idea that they're not in compliance with lactation accommodation laws where they yes. are. Exactly. And when you discover that, if a, you know, if a mother were to discover that, then what are her rights in all of this? Sure. Um, her rights are to get what she deserves under the law. So engage in a conversation and lay out what she expects to happen. She needs to pump three times a day and this is what she expects and she expects the employer to work with her. If she receives pushback, she can turn to the EEOC uh, and file a complaint um, and receive guidance there. Okay. I feel like a lot of breastfeeding moms are probably reticent um, to have conversations with their managers because it's awkward. So how do you navigate that conversation? Do you have any pointers on exactly what to say? If you are not comfortable, start by email. That is the least confrontational. And it's not one of those topics that really needs to happen face-to-face if it's just a matter of fact. So begin with, an first, reach out to HR and ask what the policy is before you even go out on leave. And then ask, notify your manager. That if Hopefully, your manager has already reached out to you. But if they haven't, notify your manager and explain that you will be returning from leave. You were a breastfeeding mom and you're going to need to take breaks, whatever your schedule is, depending on your work schedule, three, four times a day. You may or may not have to explain it to your manager every three hours. These are my biological needs. You don't need to explain it. You do not need to defend yourself or your rights. Um, So that's just your comfort level. And then ask them, you know, is there a space for me? What is the best way to notify you of when I'm going to be on break? Do you need to be notified? Again, depending upon your role, you may or may not need to notify your manager. You can just go to your the lactation room, take care of your needs. If it's something where you actually have to punch out because let's say your customer service rep on a phone, um, then you are going to need to have that conversation and there's going to need, need to be a system in place so team members can cover for you. Right, right, exactly. And how should breastfeeding employees handle business travel? I know you touched on it a little bit, but again, what they should kind of prepare for that. Sure. Plan. Yes, definitely prepare. Number one, time zones. Think about time zones. That's something that a lot of employees will not consider. If they're flying from California to New York, stay on the time, keep your pumping schedule on the time zone of home. So sometimes that's not so comfortable. Sometimes that means you're pumping early morning, extra late at night, and you want your pumping schedule to mimic that during your workday when you're away. And for most breastfeeding employees, that means that they're pumping during the day and breastfeeding when they're home. So pump at the times that you would breastfeed your child if you were home at those times. Mm -hmm. That will ensure maintenance of your milk supply, keeping it on the same schedule at the same frequency and make sure that you have access during travel to a very, very, very robust pump because there's nothing as efficient as a baby. Second to that is the hospital grade breast pump. Third to that is the personal pump. So if you can make the ask to your employer to set you up with a hospital grade breast pump while you're traveling, that is great. And then make arrangements in advance if you need to ship your breast milk home to your baby. If you're only gone for a night or two, perhaps you can just store it and bring it home yourself on the plane. But if you're going to be needing to feed your baby with that milk, if you're gone for a week or two or three, um, then you definitely want to create a system with your caregiver on how to rotate the milk in um, if it has already, and depending on how long it has been refrigerated and the method of shipment, um, it will depend upon whether you can throw it in the freezer and still store it if, or it should be used immediately upon arrival. And then how long can it last if it's been in your hotel fridge for two days and then you're mm-hmm. shipping, you know, let's use that milk within four days by the time it arrives home with baby. So there are a few variables there that planning can absolutely assist with, but get in touch with your lactation consultant for assistance. Of course, again, you can always reach out to village, but think about it in advance. Yes, that's really, really great advice. I want to just talk about 
traveling in general when you are, you know, a lactating mom with the, you know, security measures in place and, you know, the allowance of liquids, whether it's two or three ounces of, of liquids, you know, many mothers are, you know, they, they, the security guards literally spill their milk out or, you know, they're, they're faced with a situation like that and you can't take it on your carry on and it has to be checked in. So do you know any regulations around that now? Yes, the laws have come a long way. And luckily, there are protections for breast milk and mothers are able to travel with breast milk. Typically, if you're carrying it on, it has to, it still has to be checked. They will not open the lids, um, but they will swipe the sides of the container. It's sometimes, ironically, they will give you more of a problem if you don't have a child with you, which is the whole reason why you're traveling with breast milk, right? Right, right. right. So my suggestion is immediately when you get through that security line, ask for a supervisor. Even before you start putting things through the x-ray, ask for a supervisor. So a supervisor will have more experience and be able to guide you a lot better than having to initiate that argument and then elevate the situation. Right, 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 right. And then let's talk about actually being on the plane. So do you have any pointers on pumping while on the plane? I mean, I know... We've all done it. We've all seen it. You just have a cover. Hopefully you get a window seat and you try to be discreet about it. But it's still, I feel like there needs to be regulations around that too, because, you know, you're in this public place and you're trying to cover up, but it shouldn't, the onus shouldn't be on the mom. Yeah. Yeah, It's just, that really angers me. I agree. I agree. And it's it's a very difficult situation. So depending on the size of the flight, I mean, the size of the airplane, rather, you know, if Mm -hmm. you have a true jumbo jet that's flying internationally, maybe you can ask the flight attendant if there is uh, one of those spaces with curtains where the flight attendants take naps Mm. and use. Um, Perhaps there is some space like that on the plane. (laughs) Yes, yes, that'd be great. I'm a big proponent of taking the cover and pumping in your seat. Hopefully, you know, it's a family member next to you and not a stranger. Nobody really wants to be pumping in the bathroom, but I know many breastfeeding moms who who feel just more comfortable in the privacy there to the extent that you have to do that. I mean, if you are one of those moms, I would bring truly trash bags from home and like keep plastic down over everything. So there's mm. not touching any surfaces, big, you know, plastic, but yeah, planes, planes are absolutely just, they're more difficult. They are, they are. And I'm hoping that over time, you know, there is some sort of setup where, you know, women get the opportunity to breastfeed and pump comfortably while on flight. So you have spoken about how breastfeeding has an impact on a company's bottom line. What should employers care about when it comes to breastfeeding? Truly, what is in it for them? Oh my goodness, so much savings. Savings that they don't even realize. Uh, It's always a surprise to hear that the American Academy of Pediatrics has found that for every $1 an employer invests in their corporate lactation program, they're going to return $3. And that is because of reduced healthcare costs and reduced absenteeism. So Mm. we know that breastfed babies are healthier babies, but what statistics show is that reduces the pediatrician, the amount of pediatrician visits by half. Breastfed babies, when they're little, little kiddos are going to the doctor half as many times. Think about as a mom, how many times you take your kid to the doctor, compare that with how many times you yourself go to the doctor, right? It it does not compare. Maybe adults go once a year, children go endless times a year, right? So if we're dividing those endless times in half, the healthcare bill to the employer is going to significantly drop because the highest expenditure within any company are pediatrician visits. You couple that with the fact that when a mom breastfeeds, it reduces her chance of developing long-term illnesses, such as relating to heart disease, diabetes, various cancers. It's amazing. It's kind of like when we start breastfeeding, mother nature gets the memo okay, we've got to protect mom, right? It's like, we've got to come and put our arms around mom and protect her too. So insulates mom from health issues. It insulates baby from health issues. Well, if you're not sick and you don't need to go to the doctor, 
you're not absent as much. And if you're not, and so when moms take sick days and are absent, it's for themselves and it's also for the baby. So by installing a great corporate lactation program, you're going to reduce absenteeism that mom spends on her own sick days, on days that mom spends being with a sick baby. You're going to reduce healthcare costs and it's just going, and on top of all of that, it drives retention, it drives loyalty and attrition costs companies uh, around the United States trillions of dollars every year. It absolutely impacts the bottom line and positively, very, very, very positively. Yes, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the exodus that, that has happened due to COVID of women in the workforce, I think it's up to 5 million now that have left. I mean, the majority, I, you know, I just, I feel like have young babies at home and with the childcare crisis and with the the need to breastfeed and provide them sustenance is, was like a big reason for them staying home. So I think if an employer sets up, you know, a woman, um, a lactating mother with these amenities and this allowance, it's huge. Uh, she She's going to want to continue working and we'll figure it out somehow. Absolutely. And especially now, it's more important than ever. Many studies have shown that vaccinated moms or moms that have come down with COVID-19, they have certain protective properties in their breast milk that protect baby. And we all know children under 12 cannot get vaccinated. So while children, young children are not getting, for the most part, deathly ill, we don't know what the long-term consequences are. So as we return to the office, breastfeeding moms absolutely want to, for the most part, continue because they understand the protections that are being afforded to their little ones. Mm -hmm. So to the extent that employers can support that, it becomes win-win. And it's going to help, you know, fight against what has been dubbed the great resignation with everybody leaving. Right, right. Tell us about a mom sense moment that you've had. um, And I'm sure you have them throughout the day with all of your children. Uh, was, but is there one that sticks out in your mind where you just trusted your intuition and it steered you on the right path? We heard, we have a house alarm in the house. We heard the alarm go off. And oftentimes we, the kids are turning the alarm off to go grab water from the garage or what have you. And then they turn it back on. But the alarm went off and a few minutes later, I... I had a weird feeling. Um, this was late at night and I poked my husband and I said, go check on Daniela, who's our 12 year old. And he was like, no, I'm tired. Everything's fine. Someone got water. And like, no, 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 go check on her. Something's wrong. Go check on her. And she, and he came running back to our bedroom. He's like, she's not in her bed. And we, it was like, probably close to midnight, 11 o'clock. I, I don't know how, you know, it was dark out and um, she was not in her bed. And um, so immediately I'm calling her. We have like 360 to track her. I can't find her. And I called her best friend who she was with and they were waiting at midnight for the sun to rise <laughs> in our backyard. Um, <laughs> kind of silly, kind of sweet. They, they, uh, this couple of 12 year olds put together a bucket list, but you know, my mom sense told me to check on her when the alarm went out. I don't know why I don't, my husband thought it was just some kid getting water, but I, yeah. I, you know, and then I specifically said, check on Daniela. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Oh my goodness. And then I knew to call this friend who's, I hope the mother who doesn't know the story is not listening. To this. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, but it, it just, you know, it was what you needed to yeah. figure it out. You just yeah. trusted that. But beyond That's that, awesome. it's always like, you know, my son hasn't eaten. Let me check on him. We all get those little moments. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Do you have a quote that you live by? Especially as working parents, sometimes we feel like we're on a hamster wheel or we don't get to spend enough time with our children. And I think the most important thing is to just stop, stop to smell the flowers. Let me, let me take that one. Like make Mm -hmm. a memory, like, you know, something that you can carve out. Like maybe you weren't there every day to play Legos, but you went outside to smell the flowers or you had that one moment that you can point back to that was really cool of jumping on the trampoline before bedtime in pajamas or or something like make memories. That's so sweet. 
in the notes you wrote team Yadagari. Do you want to mention that too? Oh, team Yadagari. Was that one of my quotes? Um, yeah. Yeah. So team Yadagari, uh, as I think I mentioned early on when we were talking, I am an only child. I do not understand why siblings would ever fight. I would like, you know, <laughs> growing up, all I wanted was a sibling. So I do not understand sibling friction. So whenever they start to break down or fight, I'm like, we're team Yadagari. I, you know, my crocodile tears will come out and we will, I, I will absolutely always push on that button. I remember one time we actually traveled to Disney World about, um, before COVID, um, about a year before COVID, the kids were, you know, getting out of hand. So like any crazy mom does, we take all the electronics. <laughs> yeah. Collected all the electronics, no electronics for you. Um, they were really cute. They spent a few hours together and they came back to me and created this whole team Yadagari chant and rap all about how they're team Yadagari and they live for each other, <laughs> love for each other. Like they ended up winning the electronics back um, by the end of the day. But yes, I, it, Team Yadagari is a concept that I absolutely try to push amongst my um, amongst my children. I want them to know that they're not here living amongst family members in silos. They are part of a team. We are a Team Yadagari. Oh, I love that. I think that's really, really great advice for parents. It's now time for Mom Hall when we share products we love. And Mom Hall, is there a product or gadget or anything that you're just loving right now that you want to share with the audience? My watch, my Apple watch. It's like, <laughs> you, you get to like look at your electronics without really using electronics. Yes. That way you don't have to be, you know, the, the person who's telling your kids not to have their electronics at the table or whatever. But you know that something might come through. It might be another kid who's not home, a work call. You're able to just quickly look at your wrist. So Apple watch, I live for it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You can just, you get to be so discreet. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm working on the discreetness, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. And where can my listeners find you? Um, look for us at Village, all social media. That's V-I-L-L-Y-G-E. And of course, our website, village.com, or you can follow me. I'm just Debbie Yadagari. <laughs> great, great. Debbie, thank you so much for today's chat. You gave us so much insight and advice um, and knowledge on what we can expect, um, especially those who... Um, you know, maybe in the dark a little bit. And the work that you're doing is instrumental in creating change for all of us as a society. And I applaud you for that. Thank you so much. I appreciate those words so much. Thank you. So now do you feel ready for back to school? You will be when you go shopping on MabelsLabels.com. As I mentioned earlier, I love the personalized stamps and the shoe labels, which are stickers cut in halves so your kids can have fun putting the shoes side by side um, and matching the stickers. As Julie mentioned, use my exclusive code MOMSENSE10 in all caps for 10% off site-wide at MabelsLabels.com. Tune into other episodes and browse my YouTube videos and blog posts on my website, thatstotalmomsense.com. I do want to give a shout out to Ratui, who left a wonderful review on Apple Podcasts. Um, she writes, great host and podcast. This podcast is so helpful and motivating. Congrats to Kanika for creating an amazing platform for moms. Thank you so much, Ratui. And email me your address to thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com, and I will send you some very special merch. Remember, always trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you next time. That's total mom sense.